0: Hey, this is Dr. Dave coming to you live from SoCal. This is part two of podcast 28, so I guess it's 29, or 28A or B, and it talks about God's traffic cones in your life and looking back. It left you kind of um, hanging on Washington Diagonal. Um, If you haven't listened to the podcast before this one, whatever number it is, it's God's traffic cones in your life, and you need to do that. Um, otherwise, this won't make a lot of sense to you. I did interview my wife today, uh, twice. I went for backup, uh, like the reporters do, a follow-up question, follow-up question. So I left you off in um, Monterey, Mexico, my mother-in-law with her hearing aid. God bless her because you can turn them down or off when the kids are too loud. Uh, one child and diapers and one, uh, going into kinder. So he just turned five, a uh, broken down 79 Dodge Aspen and an aspiration from a messenger from God in my police car, uh, that I had quit the force, took my retirement out to become a physician, uh, a, a commandment, or at least a prophecy, um, a messenger from God. So it wasn't my desire. um. So being rejected by all the U.S., Canadian, uh, Israeli, Sackler, uh, McGill, Harvard, USC, UCLA, every 52 of them, um, we're down in Monterey, Mexico. We've moved our stuff into Beto Paz's um, home, uh, a missionary for the Four Squares Church, never met me before in his life, uh, brought me into his home. The five of us slept on the floor in one room. Uh, Went to a a land baron, I guess, a very rich Mexican family, very um, aristocratic with butlers and the whole thing, uh, to get an apartment, to go to medical school in Monterey, Mexico. We're on Washington Diagonal. I'll never forget it. And my wife just lost it. She just totally lost it. She said she hit the wall. Um, I have her notes here. And... She, at this point in our lives, we're Christians only for about three years. And two and a half, three years. So we're still baby Christians. When I asked her, I said, what did you think when I came home and told you the experience I had in the police car with this presence telling me I'm going to be a doctor out of the blue never having wanted to become or never spoken to her. I asked her, did I ever talk to you in the, I think, seven years we've been married um, about being a doctor? And she said, never. So I said, what did you take when I came home that day saying that I had this experience? She said, I thought you were joking. I said, did you put any spiritual emphasis on it. No. So back to Washington Diagonal, she came from a third world country when she was 18. So now seven, 10 years later, she's going back to one. All our junk is down there. All our suitcases, our trunks, our belongings are down in Monterey, Mexico in storage. We have an apartment, we have a down payment on it. We can't, lease or rent our home in Downey, California to bring us income so we can pay. We had been ordained, quote unquote, from the Foursquare Church and Grace Community Church in in Cyprus, um, California, to help send us money to get through medical school as, quote unquote, missionaries. Little did I know that when you go to medical school, you're Drinking from a fire hydrant, so a little time for ministry, but that's where we are. She did not want to be there. She did not want to go through this. Um, she had high regards for Beto and his uh, gringa wife. Um, she was an American, so it was a, an antium or mere direction of, mere reflection of her and I um, marriage and she wanted to go home she's gonna do this i can't do this i can't do this i can't do this so we end up going home i'll save you all the mishaps on the way home with the car breaking down uh, flat tires um i changed spark plugs we must have had 70 to 80 spark plugs I had put, at the advice of a mechanic in San Antonio, Texas, when our car broke down, going down to Nuevo Nuevo Laredo, Laredo, I think of the movie, um, to put transmission fluid in my gas tank. He said, put a half a can. I put the whole can. I don't know if it would have happened with a half a can or not. So he said something about, melting the junk around the lifters. All it did was blow by the oil into my spark plugs and my spark plugs would get so gummed up that I would have to pull over to the side of the road, night or day, two kids, a grandma, my mother-in-law and my wife in the car, cars whizzing past to the side of the desert, somewhere between here and Mexico, or even in Mexico, and change out all the spark plugs. Put in new spark plugs. Take the old ones that actually had oil you could just rub off with your finger. So those mechanics out there will know what I'm talking about. Limping back home, she went out shopping with her sister to get clothes. The weird thing that was happening in our life at that time, it, she had finally come to the is: I'm not gonna split up the family. I'm not gonna take the boys away from their father. I'm not going to leave my husband. I'm just going to accept what's going on and surrender of uh, surrendering to me or surrendering to God. She wasn't quite sure which. Um, she said i had a I had to face reality, and it wasn't until what happened next that totally flipped her opinion of the entire traffic cone. Traffic cone is a metaphor for when God takes you someplace in your life, you don't want to go. And Jonah was told to go to Nineveh and he didn't want to go. He went the opposite direction, but we're faithful. We went where God opened the door. And God opened the door in Monterey, Mexico. Everything seemed to click. We had the support from the Four Square Church and Grace Community. We had this beautiful family, most Christ-like family. And Beto Paz and his wife and the two, three little girls, or two little girls, can't remember, um, opened up their house to c- complete strangers. We, we got an apartment. So God seemed to be opening doors in Monterey. The medical school, looked, I told you, looked like Beirut bombed out apartment with graffiti with nothing but a blackboard and some chairs i had interviewed at western university the year before i did get in uh, one thing i omitted on the last one and then i had asked for a special interview since four medical schools don't start when american medical schools american medical schools start usually in june or july Uh, That's why you don't want to be in the hospital July 1st, because that's when new interns come in. They're brand new. So we had everything done. She was one out. I had gone back to Western University, told them I was going to be a doctor no matter what, what had happened in my police car, if I thought I was crazy or not. But that's the story. And I don't care where I I had to go. I was going to fulfill that. I was going to be a doctor. So it was getting close to Christmas. We still had not rented the house or leased our house in Downey. Beautiful home. The real estate agents were renting people. They couldn't believe it. We kept lowering the price, lowering the price. People would come and go. We had almost all our furniture sold or gone or left. And because a lot of people didn't want to furnish a house, they wanted to bring their junk and put it in. So we're literally sleeping without beds in one house, sleeping on the floor in Mexico. Our apartment is not quite done. All our possessions are in Monterey, Mexico. Um, And I get this letter out of the blue. Had a gold emblem on the top. Beautiful letterhead from Western University of Health Science. Monterey, Mexico is 1,428 miles. I think 1,400 some miles from my house. I told you last time. Western University was 28 miles. It's a little further than 28 miles because it took us about 45 minutes to get there, but I did a map quest and that's what it says. So, open up this letter out of the blue. We had a little mailbox by the front of our house in Downey. It was two weeks from Christmas. So, my wife's out with the boys and her sister. I'm home alone. I get this letter. She's out buying coats and jackets and underwear and T-shirts for the kids because it's very cold in, in Monterey in the, in the winter. And I open this letter and I, I, I don't know if I fainted or just sat down or my legs got weak, but I remember sitting down and staring at this letter. I must have read the letter over and over and over again. Beautifully typed, regarding your interview on such and such date, your story is so compelling. We would be honored to accept you in the class of 1982, graduating 1986, starting in, I think it was June or July, five, six months from that date. We were scheduled to leave in a week or two to Mexico to start medical school there. I grab, go out in the garage, I get my ladder, I get my staple gun, and I grab a bag of the old-fashioned light bulbs for Christmas. She comes home, pulls up in the 1979 Dodge Aspen Ugly Green with the kids in the back seat and her sister with all these bags of clothing and there I am on a step ladder putting up Christmas lights. She must've stared at me processing what's going on. What are you doing? We're leaving in a week and a half, two weeks. What are you putting up Christmas lights for? Then I showed her the letter. On the interview today, she said that when she saw the letter, she believed. What does she believe? She believed that we were faithful to God, that we had gone to Mexico, that she had surrendered unto either her husband or God. At that time, she can't remember whom. And that was the outcome. She said, I came home. It was in my face. It was a real revelation, a total miracle. We were faithful and God provided. And I put the ram. How many out there, show show of hands, know the story of Abraham and Isaac and I'm flipping through here in Genesis 22. Okay, you can put your hands down. Quite a few, but not everybody. That's fine. I didn't know this either. I, first time I heard this story was in a church and I thought if this story ends bad, I'm leaving. This, this is just crazy. In Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac um, Isaac was his son. Abraham was married to Sarah. Sarah uh, was barren. God gave her, got her pregnant through Abraham. And they had a son named Isaac, which is laughter because it was so funny that this elderly woman, I don't know, postmenopausal, had a baby. And Abraham was in a hundred in his old age. So she gives him a son. He's a hundred years old. And what does God ask Abraham to do? He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Take your son and offer him It's the only place in the Bible where God has any reference to a human sacrifice. When I first heard that story as a new Christian, and I thought, "If he kills his son, I'm walking out. This is not for this is this is the deal breaker. I just received Christ. I just I just heard the story for the first very first time. Many of you are like on like, what happened? Well, obviously, I'm still a Christian, so so Abraham rose early in the morning, which I had to do. Saddled up the donkey and took two of his young servants or men with him, take care of Isaac, and took his, his son Isaac. They split up the wood for the burnt offering, so they're cutting ch- wood and chips and, so it's a burnt offering. So they would kill the animal, sacrifice the blood, and burn. And he went to the place where God had told him took three days to get there. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and Abraham stretched out his hand with Isaac to be sacrificed, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behind him there was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns and Abraham went and took the ram and sacrificed it instead of his son. That is an extreme example of God testing our faith. Would Abraham had done it? I think so. He trusted God that much. Has God ever required that of anyone else? Yes, himself. He sent his only son, his beloved son, to save us. So my wife said in the interview that it was real. It was in her face. She couldn't deny it. It was a miracle. But the miracle didn't stop there. So we had to get all our stuff back. So We called Beto. Pause. We told him the good news. He was a little bit dejected. But he took it in stride. And let's see which note goes first here. And he says, well, I just happen to have a missionary couple here from Paramount. There's a town close to Paramount. South of Downey. They have an empty trailer and they're coming back. They were five miles from our house. They brought all our stuff back to us. That 14, 1,500 mile trip. Another traffic cone. God's hand. God tested us. And that signified that the presence in my car was a messenger. A messenger from God. I feel honored. I feel blessed. And I don't feel worthy to have God send a messenger to me to tell me that I was going to be a doctor. He made the way. I was not doctor material. He made the way. He opened doors. And then when we were faithful, when we surrendered, both of us. It was a test for both of us, not just me. He supplied the ram in the thicket. So I go to medical school. Next thing I find out, there's someone in my class that lives a mile from my house through a carpool. I get through medical school by the grace of God. I had gone to Ohio, Oklahoma, Arizona for internship. That's the next step. But prior to that is your externships. In your third and fourth year, you have externships. The one thing that Western University was scant on and not yet very well equipped was they had too many students and not enough good third and fourth year rotations. So I would call up USC, UCLA, Harvard General, Martin Luther King, and I would beg, borrow, and steal any way I could to get a rotation there. They said, we don't take DOs. Western University is a doctor of osteopathy. It's a different philosophy. It comes out of the Civil War. It's been around 100 years or more from A.T. Still, Dr. Still, an M.D., who changed the idea of medicine to a holistic medicine. So the philosophy is very similar to Western medicine. In fact, M.D.s become more like D.O.s and D.O.s, M.D.s. But not to get mired up in that issue, I got open the doors on rotations at some of the best universities and hospital teaching centers. USC, I did pediatrics, I did ER, I did OBGYN, I delivered 164 babies. I went to UCLA Harbor, I did family practice there, I did ER there, I did ER, Martin Luther King, all outside the realm of my university from God opening doors, from phone calls and me going out and getting it. I wasn't satisfied with the rotations I had, I wanted to be that excellent physician. And then during that third and fourth year, you have to get ready to get an internship. And it's like draft day. So I went to Ohio. I I spent six weeks in Ohio, six weeks in Oklahoma, having to move my family for a year of internship and hopefully a residency. But God opened another door, another traffic cone and I got accepted at a hospital in Long Beach. Well, Long Beach from Downey is 35 minutes, 40 minutes at max. It was a hospital in the shadows of, I think it's St. Mary's or Long Beach, St. Mary's. It was a 130 bed hospital No residents, just interns. So one day you're a medical student, the next day you're a doctor. That's a July 1st. Don't go, don't be a patient. Because you have brand new residents, brand new interns. But there were no residents there, just interns. So I did a year at Pacific Hospital. over 100 hours a week. I would fall asleep between contractions put my hand on the perineum of the, when I was in doing OB and delivering babies to sleep in between her contractions and put my hand on the perineum so the baby wouldn't fall out. I was that tired. I'd go through red lights coming home, just so tired. And when I got home and my wife had the, the two ninos, by this time, three ninos, Nina, I'd get mad, like, get them out of my bed. You, you ever been so tired that it hurts? Do that for a year. I was getting paid a whopping $1,000 a month. So all this time we're going into more debt, more debt, more loan, more debt, more debt, more debt. But God let us stay in that house in Downing. God didn't allow it to be leased because he knew that we had a, he had a plan. When I look at the traffic cones of my life, you need to look at your life. Think of the things that at the time you didn't want to do. You kicked and screamed and kicked your heels and got mad at God and, but it turned your life. He has a direction. Like I said last time, you can drive over the cones. You can go your own way. but God has a plan. So internship, now the big thing is like draft days, call it the match. You have to match with a residency of your choosing. So first I want to do emergency medicine and OB then I then family practice. So I had to find a residency that would take me a DO with a DO internship and give me credit for the first year. So the first year of residency, R1 is internship. I already got that done. And I had rotated, like I said, at Harbor, UCLA, and also at UC Irvine. And I'm on the phone, one phone, in the house in Downey. And I'm getting calls from Oklahoma. I'm getting calls from um, Arizona. They got a position over here. People are matching, and, and the positions are getting filled up. It's like panic time. Where does God match me? He matches me at UCLA. They call and they say, we have a position for you. I need a yes or no in 20 minutes, but you have to repeat your internship. We're gonna start you at R1, not R2. And I said, oh, I just got done with a year of hell, literally. Then I got a call from UC Irvine and the medical director there, Michael, I've forgotten his last name, a man that had visions far behind, far ahead of his time, and he says, we'll give you credit and start you as an R2 at UC Irvine. I took the position. I thank UCLA. I was at UC Irvine, another 35-minute, 40-minute drive from my house. Still, kids didn't have to move. Kids didn't have to change schools. My wife didn't have to leave her family, her sister, her mom. God proved faithful because we were faithful. Was it easy? No. Would I wanna do it again? No. Knowing what I know now, would I even wanna become a doctor? I never did in the first place. But there was a, a visitor who had a message for me. I could go on and I have two more stories. That's Professor Jake and Sorry to keep you hanging so long. But after that, my wife worked alongside me. We opened our own practice after I worked two years for a a medical group here. We opened our first day of our first office. We had one patient. The patient didn't have a car, so my wife went out and got her. One patient. We built that into 6,250 patients until COVID hit. She practiced alongside me as the office manager for 33 years. We're still working together. We're still married together. We're still following God together. I hope this story helps you. I hope you surrender to God. He has a plan. It's much superior to your plan. He has a way. Trust him. Look for those traffic cones. And look back in your life. And you'll see that what didn't seem to make any sense at the time. Makes a lot of sense now. Next time, we'll go into miracle number two of traffic cones. Until then, God bless. Be safe.